The Bible says in Psalms, the 37th division, verse number four, delight yourself in the Lord. Watch this. Delight yourself in the Lord. All right? Uh, enjoy making God happy. Find it a delightful thing to be connected to God. Be okay and joyous and be delightful because of God. Want to please him. Be happy about being a servant of the Lord. Put your heart into God. Okay? That's basically what he's saying. Delight yourself in the Lord. Right? I need to, I need to drive that. Right? Watch this. When you delight yourself in someone, you want to make them what? Happy. Want to make God happy. Now watch what he says. He says, delight yourself in the Lord. Now, if you do that, it says, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Are, are you, you guys seeing that? Put your heart into God and he'll give you what your heart desires. Okay. It says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it or he will bring it to pass. I, I want to talk about being okay with God's will when it's not part of your plan. Being okay with what God wants when what God's want, God wants is not part of your plan. The part, the, the part of, uh, there, there are certain colloquialisms that we use. Uh, the part of the mind or ourselves that's responsible for logic, for working things out, for planning, for, for doing things that are, uh, that are logical and are based on reason, uh, we often call that our head. The part that deals with romance and just getting married and, and having good feelings about someone and having, uh, being into somebody, being friendly, with that, that has to do with our heart. And it is often said that people should not just think with their head, but think with their heart. And then it's also often said that you just don't make a heart decision. You got to be logical. Are you understanding this? Uh, there are heart people in here and there are head people in here. Sitting right here among us. There are heart people. You got to show me why. You got to show me what. What's your plan? Give me every step of your plan. I need to know what the outcome is going to be. How do you project this to come out? How long is it going to take? I'm a head person. I want to know logic. I want to know what's the, what's the probability. What's the science behind it? I'm, I'm a head person. You, you can't even ask me to do something. You, as a matter of fact, if you ask me for some money, I'm not just going to give it to you. I'm going to ask you what you're going to do with it. What, how, how much is it going to be? As a matter of fact, is you, the money you have? Can you do it with the money you have? Is it what, that what you need? Why do you need it? How many of you know head people in here? Some of you raising your hand are the head people. There's nothing wrong with being a head person. We need our head people. 
We need our people who can think with logic and reason and, and, and who can be connected. Because God not only, God wants us to connect to him with our head. The problem with head knowledge is the logic when you follow God doesn't always make sense. It can't be calculated. It can't always be put in a math formula. It can't always be explained. It can't always be, be worked out. You can't, it, I just talked about the Lord is a lamp unto our feet, the word of God. Because sometimes you don't have every step of the way. You can plan and plan and plan and plan. At the end of the day, no matter how logical you are, no matter how reasonable you are, that head part uh, will always have its limits because the Bible declares the secret things belong to the Lord but those things that have been revealed are for us. In other words, God has an agenda that you and I don't know about and since we don't know about it we can't calculate what we don't know. We can't be logical about we don't, what we don't know. In order for the head thing to work you have to have knowledge but how many of you know that God won't always let you know? And then there are hard people who feel emotion. And God made us that way, with a heart. They look at somebody and they say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I see you need help. I, I, you know, I'm going to trust God that you're going to do what it, don't explain. They're the type of people who, who move forward on their emotions of love and attachment. And they, they, they're pas passionate people. And those are the people that may not have a worked out full plan, but they jump into something. Now, that's not always a good thing, but both heart and head are good when you trust God. Are you understanding? May not be good for a business plan, may not be good for trying to buy a car, may not be good for trying to get a job. Why? Because you can't just say, you know what, I love to do it, I'm gonna apply for it. You, be you better have some, some head credentials, amen. Well, they're hiring at the post office as the postmaster, and I'm going to go and apply for it because I really, it's a passion of mine. Well, you, they're not going to ask you about your passion. <laughs> they're going to ask you about your credential. So you got to have some head sense. But the way it works with God is God wants your heart because if he can get your heart, if he can get your affection, if he can get your passion, your faith will carry you and work with your head because oftentimes it is our head that gets in the way of our heart. David says, delight yourself in the Lord. Now watch this. Don't run to he'll give you the desires of your heart first. He simply says, delight yourself in the Lord. Put your heart into God. If your heart is into God, he'll give you everything your heart desires. Don't miss that. When your heart is into God, when you want what God wants, he'll give you everything you desire. Let me say it like this. When you really want what God wants, he'll give you everything you want. Does that make sense to anybody? When you really want what God wants, when your heart is with what God wants, God says, I'll give you everything you want if your heart is completely into me and you, you, you're into what I want. If you're into what I want, I'll give you everything you want. I'll give you everything you want once you put your heart into everything I want. There's a way to get everything you want from God. 
everything you want. You can get everything you want from God. Now, at, before your mind drifts into cars and houses and, <laughs> and new wardrobes and gift certificates unlimited and vacations and all of that stuff, the premise is you'll get everything you want if you want what God wants. Not if you want what you want. Not, not, not the desires of your heart without your heart being connected to God. And I'm going to show you, David wrote this psalm, and I need you to go to 2 Samuel chapter 7 uh, for the next uh, 15 minutes or so, 2 Samuel chapter 7, and I'm going to show you this in a very ap applicable or applicable sense, that this, this happened in David's life. And of course, 2 Samuel is before, so perhaps David wrote this after, because I believe that when you learn something in life, uh, you need to help somebody else. So David helps, as the psalmist of Israel, he helps people based on his life experiences. Now watch this, 2 Samuel chapter 7. Here's what David was. He was a man after God's own heart. You know what that means? A man that kept pursuing God's heart. Uh, anybody dating and... Um, that after God's own heart doesn't mean he did everything like God. That's not what it means. If you're dating in here and, and you know, she's your boot thing, you like her, you're really into her, or vice versa, you are pursuing their heart. You, you just don't want their presence. You want their heart. God knows when you lose a person's heart, you can have their presence and it won't matter. Come on here. You can, you can be right there and it does not matter. You, I, you'd be surprised at how many married folk feel lonely in the very presence of a significant other. Because it's not about presence, it's about heart. And when you are after somebody's heart, you're constantly pursuing them. You're constantly trying to, yet young people, the teenagers, if he's writing you love letters and making you check yes or no, and he said, oh, I stopped. He, uh, you know, I don't know why he did I ain't answering no more. Well, guess what he's doing? He's after your heart. He's after your heart. And to be after God's own heart, after God's heart, is not a one-time pursuit. It's a continuous pursuit. You're after God. You, 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 you love God. You delight in him. And you want to please him. You want to make him happy. Is there anybody in here that will go to the ends of the earth to make anybody, anybody special in their life happy? Parents do it for their children. Go broke trying to buy the new Jordans because I want to make you happy. I want to make you happy. I, I, I want to see you smile. I, so this was what David was. He was a man after God's own heart. Now, the Bible says that David did a lot of things, right? But he gets to this point in 2 Samuel chapter 7, and you know what David wants to do? Let's see what David wants to do. Let's start with verse number 2. Well, verse number one. Now it came about when the king lived in his house and the Lord had given him rest on every side from all his enemies, David is the king, that the king said, or David said to Nathan, who was the prophet, see now, I live or I dwell in a house of cedar. I'm living large. I have these, this home of cedar just decked out. But look what he says. He says, 
But the ark of God dwells in tents within, uh, dwells within tent curtains. He says, I'm living like this, but the ark of God, which was the thing that represented the presence of God, where, where the where the angels were hovered over the mercy seat of God. He's saying, I'm living like this. I'm doing, uh, you know, I'm blessed. I'm living like this, but I'm looking at the ark of God and it's intense. And I'm in, cedar, I'm in a cedar home. I'm, I, my house is made of that good wood. So look what, he, look what his desire is, all right? The Bible says in verse number three, and Nathan, uh, he said, uh, and Nathan said to the Lord, Verse number three, and Nathan said to the king, go do all that is in your mind for the Lord is with you. Notice it didn't use the word heart. Some might use heart, but it means mind. It means the, the head. What does David want to do? He wants to build a temple for God. That's what's in his head. His head is the planning of what's in his heart. So what's in his heart is God needs to be, he needs to be somewhere beautiful. He needs to, his stuff needs to be first. God needs to be glorified. His heart says, I want God to have the glory. His head, the processing part, the logical part, the planning part says, I will build a temple for God. Now, Nathan, who was the prophet, didn't consult God. It was such a good idea to the prophet that he didn't pray. He didn't go to God and pray about it. He said, you know what? That's a good thing. Go ahead. God will bless you. Why? Because it makes sense. You have a heart for God. You, your heart says, I want God to be glorified. Your head says, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to build a house. But if you look in the next few verses, God came to Nathan at night and basically said, don't talk for me when you haven't talked to me. Don't talk for me if you haven't. Now, he didn't say that, but in essence, that, that's what God is saying to Nathan because Nathan already gave David the go-ahead to, to build a temple, which is his head, because his heart said that God needs to be glorified. And God came to Nathan and, and, and told Nathan in verse number uh, four, but it came about in the same night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, Go and say to my servant David, thus saith the Lord, are you the one who should build me a house to dwell in? Now, it sounds like a good idea. It is a good idea. What, why wouldn't it be a good idea for God to have a place where he can be glorified? That's a beautiful idea, but that's the heart of David. God doesn't have a problem with the heart of David. He has a problem with the head of David. All right? His head, yeah, now watch, he loved God. David is a man after God's own heart. God basically says, when have I ever needed a place? And, and who's to say you do it? Now, God is telling Nathan the prophet to do this, but remember what Nathan told David. What did Nathan tell David? Go ahead, do it. God will bless you. God basically comes back and says, no. No. Tell David, when have you, when have I ever needed that? When, when have I ever built me? Who, who, who's to say you're the one? For I have not dwelt in a house since the day I, 
I, I, I brought up the sons of Israel from Egypt even to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent, even in the tabernacle. Wherever I have gone with all the sons of Israel, did I speak a word with one of the tribes of Israel, which, which I command to shepherd? At what point did I say to anybody that, why have you not built me a house? God is too immense for a house. David's heart is right. David's heart delights in the Lord. As a matter of fact, you're going to see that God didn't have a problem with a house. But David wasn't the one that's supposed to do it. It's his head. Now, I need to make some application here. Because sometimes we mean well with God. Our heart is in the right place. We love God. We want to see this happen for God. But how many of you know that God is not just dealing with your heart. He's dealing with your head. And your head might say, your heart might say one will, one thing, but God's will may be something totally different. You may say, I want to, I want to get this degree. I want to do this because I want to be able to help more people. There's nothing wrong with that heart issue. That's a beautiful thing. You want to help people for God. Beautiful. But what happens when God's will doesn't match your plan? And it's not the heart of David. It's the head because David says, I will do it. God says, who said that you're supposed to do it? Who said you're the one to do it? I've, I've existed this strong. I was there when they were walk, walking around in tents. Who says you're the one to do it? Like a parent with an overzealous child. That's the baby girl. That's Janice. She comes along. Uh, she comes along and... Uh, uh, she, she's the type, before, my plate, before I finish my plate, she's the type to grab the plate and uh, I'm like, uh, the food, there's still food on there. She makes the assumption, I don't want it. But do I look like I don't want it? <laughs> and she takes it, and she takes it to the sink. I say, what are you doing? Well, I'm just getting your plate for you. The cinnamon is right. She wants to take care of her daddy. But her head was not right. <laughs> how many of you understand how that goes? And so even though her sentiment was right, I got to say, wait, no, come back here. And I have to rebuke her head, yet encourage her heart. Uh, thank you, but, come on in this house. I know I'm not the only one. Thank you, but I'm not finished. Your logic was off. Your head was off. Your heart was right. Right? Watch this. Watch this. The Bible says here, uh, he, God tells him, the, God tells Nathan, he straightens Nathan out. You're giving the okay to something I didn't give the okay to. Right? And that's a good point. Because not even a prophet of God can tell you okay about something that God is not saying okay to. And sometimes when God is not giving us the answer we want, we look for another voice that's going to give us another answer. We, we look for somebody who prays a lot. We, we look for somebody whose advice we trust because we know what God is showing us, but, but we, we don't like that answer. It's, it's like kids that when daddy says no, they start hanging around mama. 
I don't like what daddy said, but I want to talk to mama and maybe mama say something different from daddy. And that's how we get with God. When God is showing you this is where you are, you prayed about it. He answers, and but you don't really like that answer. So you talk to somebody. I got to talk to you. Why do you have to talk to somebody when you heard God? Why you still got to, who else is there to talk to you that can tell you anything other than what God said? Because when we don't like what God says, we have a tendency to find an alternative voice. And so here, here, here Nathan is, he got straight and he tells David, uh, he tells David, look, uh, this is what's going to happen. He, get, he repeats his word in verses 8, but look what God says in verse number 11. Even from the day I commanded the judges to be over my people, Israel, I will, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord also declares to you that the Lord will make a house for you. I know you want to make a house for me. That's my will. That's your plan. But my will is I want to make a house for you. Now that, that sounds good, doesn't it? David says, you know, I want God to be glorified. My head says, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to build a house. And God sends Nathan to say, no, 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 no. I know that that's what you want to do. But my plan is, my will is, I want to build you a house. You want to build me a house, but that is, that's not part of my plan. I want to build you a house. And if you look in First Chronicles uh, chapter 28, when you get a chance, around verse number, uh, uh, number two through four, you'll see that why God didn't let David do it. He said, David, you can't do it because you've shed blood. You are a fighter. I called you to fight. I called you because I needed you to fight war. I didn't call you to build, I called you to battle. And when your assignment is to battle, don't think no matter how good intentioned you, well intentioned you are, that God will bless you to build. Sometimes God says, for this season, your job, what I'm calling you to do is to battle. Because David started out his career with a fight. Remember Goliath? That was his assignment. And God says, no, because of that, the assignment of building is not going to go to you. It's going to go to your son, Solomon. So now David in his heart says, I need a house for God. But in, but in his head, I want God to be glorified. But in his head, he's saying, I'm going to build a house. God's prophet is telling him, no, God is going to build you a house. Now that would make some of us discouraged. How many of you get discouraged when your plan and your heart kind of disagree with each other and God shows up and tells you, no, I know what you want. I know what your desire is. I know what you want to see, but that's not, my, that's not my will. How many of you have ever been discouraged because you find out that what your plans are are not even in sync with God's will? You don't have to be evil. You don't have to be dirty. You don't have to be conniving. You don't have to be malicious. You can just really sincerely want to do something for God and in your heart and you, you start planning in your head and God says, wait a minute. I understand. Thank you, but my will, that's not my will. 
That's not my will. I know you love me. I know you want to do this for me, but that's not my will. The Bible says that God in turn says, you're not going to be the one to do it. If you look in the verses further, he says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bless Solomon. When your days are complete, in other words, you're going to die, David. I know you want to build me a house, but you're not even going to be here. You're not even going to be here to see it. When your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, watch this. I, verse number 12, will raise up your descendant after you who will come forth from you and I will establish his kingdom. What? Your son, your descendant. That's what my plans are. Now watch this. If you are stuck on your head, you will be offended with God's plan. You see why it's important to delight in the Lord? Because every, and he will give you the desires of your heart, not your head. But when you get your head in yourself and yourself in your head, and it's not a heart thing anymore, God's will will turn you against God because you'll forget who makes the calls. Because you're so dead set on doing it your way, your plan, I'm planning to do this, that you will be offended when God's will says no. That's why you got to keep your heart connected to God. You are to commit your ways to the Lord. You have to delight yourself in it. I want what God wants. And if I truly want what God wants, what God wants, if I really, really want what God wants, and I want to see God glorified, then if my head makes plans that are not his will, but still brings about what God wants, I would be okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like somebody that says, you know what? I'm going to school because, and I'm, I'm going to get a social work degree because in my heart I feel like there's so many families that need help. And I just want to see these families helped. That's beautiful. How many of you think that sounds noble? What if, and you, and you start praying about it, and you say, Lord, I want to help so many families. There are a lot of struggling families. There's a lot of, uh, there, there are a lot of uh, uh, issues, uh, social issues. And I want, uh, Lord, I, w I want the world, uh, Lord, I just want people to be better. That's your heart. What if God's will is that you don't finish school? What if somebody else is doing what your plan was? How many of you would get up? I mean, would think people would get upset. That's upsetting, right? Only if you trusted your head more than he your heart. Only if you were really after what was in your head. Because if your heart said, I really want communities to be better. I really want people to be better. Here's a good example. You know what? I really want to help senior saints. I really want to help senior citizens because they, you know, they don't, they don't get the proper health care. And I, you know, I really want there to be free health care for senior citizens. So I'm going to school to do this. If what you really want is for health care to be free for senior citizens, you won't get mad 
if that happens by somebody else's hand. Are y'all understanding this? We, we, that's why you got to keep your heart connected to God because God may honor your heart, but not your head. He may bring about what's in your heart, but he may not bring about what's in your head, the plans, the logic, the reason, the, 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 the blueprint. You may say, okay, this is what's in my heart and this is what's in my head. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to get somebody and I'm going to go to Senate. I'm going to do this. What happens when God says yes to your heart, but no to your head? He says, yes, since that's what you want, I'm going to let it happen. And this is what happened to David. David's heart was for God to be glorified. And God said, no, you're not going to build it. His head says, I'll build a temple for God. God says, no, you won't build it. But I will raise your son up to do it. Now, some of us will get in our feelings if we're not sincere. But you want to know what David did? Look what David did. Oh, God. What David does in verse 18, then David, the king, went and sat before the Lord. And he said, who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that thou hast brought me this far? And yet this was insignificant in your eyes, O Lord God, for thou hast spoken also to the house of thy servant concerning the distant future, and this is the custom of man, O Lord God. And again, what more can David say to thee? For thou knowest thy servant, O Lord God, for the sake of thy word, and according to thine own heart, thou hast done all of it. What did, what did, what did David do? What David said is, Lord, I'm okay with it. As long as what, as long as what glorifies you happens, I'm okay with not being the person that it happens through. As long as it happens. But there are people, sometimes people, they want to, you know, uh, they, they, they want to profess their heart but their head overrides their heart. So not only do they want good things to happen for other people and they pray to, to have purpose and to change the world, they, watch this, their head has a plan for them to do it. Hello? Hello? I want you to have a great birthday. Okay? I want you to have a great birthday. I want you to have a great birthday. Okay? That's my heart. I want you to have a great birthday. My head says, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to surprise them. I'm going to do this, that, and the other. And I'm going I'm to go to Walmart and I'm going to get a sheet cake. And then I'm going to have their name put on the sheet cake. And I'm going to get the big camber, uh, candles that when you blow out, they light back up again. And I'm going to give them asthma instantly. And then I'm going to go to the Neiman Marcus. So I'm going to go to Dillard's and I'm going to buy this, this shirt and that shirt. And I'm, I'm going to put it there and it's going to be, it, it's going to be great. I know they'll have a great birthday because I want them to have a great birthday. You get to them and find out somebody else did everything you had in your head. Now, watch this. Do you get up and you see that they're enjoying it. They're having a good birthday. Do you get upset? Or do you become grateful that what was in your heart came to pass. And what was in your heart was that they have a what? 
See, that's how we do with God. We have our heart. Lord, this is what I want. I want this and this, and I want world peace, and I want this. And so we make plans in our head so that we can bring about what's in our heart. But sometimes God will say, yes, yeah, I hear, I hear the plans in your head. I hear the plan. But my will is, and but I'm honoring your heart. My will is for what you want in your heart to come to pass since your heart is into me. But it's not my will that you do it. Jesus, John the Baptist, he came here, and you know what his heart was? His heart was to make a way for the Messiah to come. His plan was, his head said, that when the Messiah came, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go, and I'm going to meet him, and I'm going to work with him, and I'm going to lead with him. His heart said, I'm making a way, I'm going to make way, make room for the Messiah, who was his cousin, Jesus, to come. You know what happened to John? He preached. He was baptizing people saying, make room for God, for Christ. Then he got word from one of his disciples that said, there's a guy on the other side of Jordan getting more disciples than you. There's a guy on the other side of Jordan. His church is growing quicker than yours. And that guy on the other side of Jordan that was baptizing more people, was the one he was making room for. It was Jesus. If yeah. that's not bad enough, when it came for John in his head, he says, good, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to meet him. John preached about Jesus coming and never got a chance to meet him because just when it was time, he got locked up. Now his head said, I'm going to meet him, we're going to work together, we're going to do this. His heart said, I'm just making room for the Messiah to come. God honored his heart but said no to his head. You got to learn to be okay with that like David. David said, I wasn't worthy to have everything that happened have to me. I wasn't worthy for that. I, I know you're saying no, God, but I, wanna, I know you said no to my head. But Lord, I want to take a moment to say thank you because all the ways you blessed me, I didn't deserve them. Mama, I know you said no to the Jordans, but I want to say thank you because I eat a meal every day and, and I got shoes on my feet and I know you pay that electric bill and I know you're working two jobs to take care of me. And, and so even though you say no, I want to say thank you. Don't complain when God says no, say thank you. Because nothing of what you have or what you're doing, you deserve. You don't deserve to be here. So if God gets to a point and he says, I know you have these plans, but I'm saying no, but I know you have a heart for me. So I'm going to let what's in your heart come to pass, but I'm going to disconnect you from it. I've got somebody else in mind. You don't get sour face. You don't become a hater. You don't throw, start throwing shade or get salty. What David did is he turned to God and said, Lord, I, I'm just thankful. I know you may not put me in the game, but I'm thankful to sit on the bench. I, I know that I may not be a star player in this. You're telling me now that my son is going to wear the, is going to be the star player. I'm okay with that. I just want to thank you for letting me wear the jersey. That's how you do it. You replace disappointment with gratitude. The way this ends is beautiful because God says, I'm going to raise up your descendant. Now, God was talking about Solomon, but he wasn't just talking about Solomon. You know, he was talking about somebody else. 
In Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 1, when Jesus is introducing his genealogy, the Bible said he is uh, God, God, the Bible calls Jesus, guess what the Bible called Jesus? It calls Jesus the son of David. So when God was dealing with David back then and said, I'm going to raise up your descendant and I'm going to establish his house forever, he wasn't just talking about Solomon. He was talking about somebody that would come after one person would be, give birth to another person who would give birth to another person who would give birth to another person who would give birth to another person and then this virgin would just have a baby out of nowhere. And that baby is born and that baby establishes his kingdom because he says on this rock I will build my church. And guess what? We are what Jesus built still going in 2018. That sounds like the kingdom, what he said I'd establish forever. But guess what? If David got in the way and got salty and shady, he would have been blocking the ultimate purpose, which is all the ultimate purpose of God is always bigger than you and me. It's bigger than what you want and what you're planning. It's so much bigger than that, that God will shut down your plans if they get in the way of his will. He'll shut it down completely. You start planning and moving on something because you have a heart for God, but your heart for God includes you. God will break it down. And you'll look up one day and you'll have all of these plans based on your heart and you will get the biggest rejection when God shows you that that person you met and helped out and you bring in the church now, I'm going to do what you planned through them. Through them. You wouldn't believe how many people bring people to church here who are on this ministry and I'm zealous for God. I'm doing this. I'm going to do this for God. They invite somebody there. Suddenly they start coming less and the person they invited started coming more and suddenly they fall off and the person that they invited received the Lord and and is baptized in obedient faith and now they're doing everything that person planned to do. They get salty and they say, I'm not coming anywhere. They stop being friends with the person. Why? Because you are more wrapped up in your head for you than your heart for God. That's it. Give God some glory. So come... Delight in the Lord. You hear me? I'm looking right at you. Delight in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. Be, get wrapped up into making God happy. Get wrapped, you make God happy, and you put your heart into making God happy. God says, pray for what you want. What you want. Can you feel that? God saying, what do you want? What do you want? You've made me first. Your heart is with me first. Tell me what you want. Tell me what you want. Solomon, tell me what you want. I don't want riches. I just want, you gave me a task. And since my heart is so much into what you have for me to do, I just need wisdom. God says, really? Not only am I going to give you wisdom, but you're going to be the richest king that ever walked the face of the earth. Put your heart to what God wants and God says what you want.
Now, we, some of us, we can't feel it because it's God. But you take a, a multi-billionaire, and you don't know he's that, or you know he's that, but you're not after money. You're just being nice, and you're just really into this person because you're learning from this person. And this person, you just want to pour yourself into this person. You just want sincerely friend. And then one day they say, what do you want? Some of us would be willing to break a friendship at that point. <laughs> like, you know what? Give me, give me a couple of billion. No, 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 no. There's a story as I close. Now, this is it. This is only one close with this few people. <laughs> There's a story of a man that had a friend who was a billionaire. And uh the billionaire was much older than he was, but he kind of talked to him. And he, was, he was not extravagantly dressed. If you notice, those who have a lot of money don't walk around trying to look like it. So he was just a simple man. And this was a younger man, and he, this billionaire would sit in one of the parks, and he would just feed the birds. And the younger man met him, and they would talk, and they would talk. The man would share with him that he's got so much and he worked hard his whole life. The young man's birthday came around. And this man was old enough to be his father. And, and uh, the old man sat on the bench as usual and said, what do you want for your birthday? I'll give you whatever you want. And the young man thought, here's a billionaire, multi-billionaire. When he sneezes, Benjamin's comes out of his nose. <laughs> he says, you know what? My father was never there. I just want you to be a father to me. That man, that young man, left richer than a young man who would have said, I want two billion. Because you can get two billion and not be connected to the billionaire. But if you are related to the billionaire, you become his responsibility. And God is not saying, God wants us to have a heart for him to where we're not asking for tangible things. Lord, if you just give me this call. Put your heart into God and say, Lord, help me to be a better son and make me know that you're my father. And if you got God, you got everything he owns. Amen? So if you don't have him this morning, you need to believe. You need to believe that Jesus came to make that possible by dying on the cross, being buried, rising again. You need to believe that and be willing to turn your life and your heart around. If you turn your heart around, he'll turn your life around, but you got to turn your heart around. Confess with your lips in your life that you believe that he is the son of God and be buried with Christ in baptism and God gives you a down payment. You know what that down payment is? His Holy Spirit. It's that rent to own thing, that rent to own thing where they put your name on the property before the property has left the facility. So nobody else can come along and say, I want that couch. Why? It's already accounted for. When Christ comes back, he's looking for his spirit in our hearts that says, I'm accounted for. Oh, you here, Lord? Take me because you put your mark on me and God gives you his Holy Spirit.
when you obey him. If you need prayer for anything, we'll pray for you. Now's the time. Let's get